season two, baby. Right. <clears throat> How do we do this again? Podcast. Podcast. I am single. I did get drunk. I did buy Tinder Prime and I fully regretted it. But yeah, here we go. <laughs> Little Messi drove my nana to drink. Yeah, he sells Hot Wheels out of his jacket. <laughs> I'd like to think that he knew that John Terry was a huge Saturdays fan. And like Campbell oh, Soup is a, is, a, is a big deal. Pele is Jay from In Between Us. Luigi, don't quit your day job, mate. Who do you think is more handsome? Shall we answer? Pirlo. If you say it, say it with chest. <laughs> Sorry, you just have to guess. <laughs> do you want to go to the toilet? You ever seen a baby pigeon? Uh, he's he was good mates with Pablo Escobar, from what oh. I read. <laughs> Mara who? Sorry, you're a pair of twats. You never do that. Hello and welcome back to season two of Nostalgia FC podcast with your host, me, Drew. And me, George. And for the first time ever, we're in the same room. Oh, my God. Not in our lives. We've been in many rooms together over our, our lives. But we're recording this podcast for the first time ever. We are in the same place. A bit of explanation as to why it's taken us so long to get back to season two. Uh, life got in the way. George went and pursued his dream of being an actor. Did very well. <laughs> I actually saw it in real time. It was very good. Didn't really understand it, but it was good. And uh, I went off and got married. So, uh, yeah, life got in the way, but we're back wife and acting career in tow and we thought to start off this season two we come back at you with one of our special episodes and the only person we could think to get for one of these episodes is of course mr owen quilter so welcome back yeah, owen the first ever much. guest on the first ever podcast and here we are episode one of season two progression made you're the first guest again full circle Mike yeah full yeah circle. Shows the deep bench that we have that we got you back again <laughs> for the first episode of the first podcast yeah. again. But hey, we did it for a good reason. So today's special episode is the underrated 11. So we've gone away and made three separate teams of the most underrated players we could think of over all time and put them in one team uh, to compete against each other. And you, the listener, can vote for the winner. So stay tuned at the end to figure out how you can do that. But for now... This is Nostalgia FC, and this is the underrated 11. All right, cool. So, uh, as with these episodes, what we'll do is go around the room and we will name one player at a time. I'm assuming we have different formations, but let's talk about the concept. So, underrated 11 uh, is basically a team of players that we think are underrated, undervalued, underappreciated by the fans, by their teams. And so, yeah, we put them together to make these underrated 11s. So, Owen, I already know your formation because you sent me it and really confused me by just sending me a bunch of numbers. So why don't you start us off with what formation you've gone for? All right. The formation I've gone for, I've gone, I've gone pretty much all-out attack with my formation. I've gone 3-2-1-4. So three defenders... Three in midfield with an attacking midfielder and then just four up front. Right. So that's straight it. off the bat, you've got a formation that's confused me. It's taken the first guest to confuse me with maths again. Yep. Thank you, Owen. We're, we're going all out attack on mine. Two well, I've gone for, a, for what I think is an underrated formation in the 4-4-2. Well, the thing is... The thing is so, by the way, mine's 4-3-3. The thing is, I have a feeling that Owens is going to be obscure as hell. Drew's is going to be a little bit obscure, and mine, I, mine are underrated, but still great players. I feel like yours. yours oh, no, are going I, to be, trust me. I've oh, got some do you know players. what? Okay. I was looking at mine, going, "This is like the most most normal eleven that I'd have ever come up with." That's saying oh. something. Yeah. Well, I thought. Mm, yeah. Let's go straight in. Shotgun. I'm going first because <laughs> I feel like this keeper might be a common choice. My goalkeeper 
He's a winner of three straight Champions Leagues, many league titles across two different teams he's played for. Uh, he's played for Real Madrid. He's played for PSG. He is Costa Rican living legend, Kaylor Navas. Oh, that is a good, good choice. I did almost go with him, but didn't. So did I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. For some reason, and I still don't really understand why teams keep replacing him. So it wins three straight Champions Leagues with Real Madrid, and they go, nah, we're going to go after uh, go sign T- uh, Thibaut Courtois, because why not? And then we'll replace you with him, even though you're a better goalkeeper. So it goes to PSG. Wins the league again, bossing it, and they're like, "No, we're going to sign uh, Donnarumma so you can sit on the bench again." Cheers, Kalo. <laughs> so this guy, who's just single-handedly winning people league titles, winning three state champions leagues, can't get a game because people keep replacing him with taller goalkeepers. Heightest, heightest. It definitely is as well. He's a short king, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, there, you go. there he is. There's my underrated goalkeeper because That's for some reason teams keep underrating him by replacing him with taller goalkeepers. All right, Kalo Navas, that's my choice. That's my goalkeeper. Who you got? Right. Again, another goalkeeper that played a lot in France. Um, played for Lyon, Atletico Madrid, PSG. Seven consecutive league titles won. It is Mr. Gregory Coupe. Oh, nice. Yeah. For, for, people don't talk about it enough, but he, he made the best save of all time, 2001, 2001. Not, not fine, just in the Champions League. So, Claudio Cachapa, who did not make any teams because he was crap, made a terrible back pass going over to Coupe. He diving header backwards it onto the bar, and then with Rivaldo running on to try and score, gets up and makes a point-blank save. Is without that the best save I've ever seen. Good old Gregory. And that's coming from a goalkeeper as well, so yeah. I think we can, we can believe your your goalkeeping judgment as a goalkeeper yourself. Yeah. All right, I like it. I like it. Good choice. Strong choice. George, who you got? I have got Schmeichel. Which one? Casper. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Peter Schmeichel is uh, known as one of the better keepers in the world. I think Casper Schmeichel, just because he's always going to get compared to his dad. Yeah. And I genuinely think he is such a good part of that Leicester team. Yeah. And doesn't get spoken enough. I'm not saying he's one of the best keepers in the world. I think he is. In the world, he's, the best in, he's definitely one of the best in the Premier League. So. I, that's what I was going to say. He's definitely one of the best in the Premier League, and I don't think he gets spoken about enough because of it. And he was a big part of Leicester winning that title, like a big part yeah. of it. So I don't know if it's because of his because of his dad that he sort of gets overlooked, or yeah. if it's just because he's at Leicester. And I think not maybe him. because he plays for like um, a smaller nation as well. He doesn't get the hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know Denmark got to the semi-finals and they're very good in the Euros, but they're not exactly known as like the like the biggest collection of amazing footballers. So I think he sort of gets overshadowed that way. I think as well, because a big team hasn't swooped in and even like, yeah, you don't even hear of anyone trying to sign him at the moment. No, true. So yeah, it's probably that. I would have thought he would have gone to United, but then uh, I think maybe the city yeah, actually... stopped that. <laughs> yeah. But I'll go to Villa now, just to complete the Schmeichel. <laughs> right then, let's go into our defence. So, and you've got three defenders. Yep. George, you've got four. I also have four. All right, we'll start then so we don't get too many defenders in a row. My right back, you knew there's going to be some Liverpool players in here somewhere, is Steve Finnan. Steve also Finnan. one of my defenders. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on. 
I searched, I searched like most underrated defenders and he came yeah. up and I was like, no, nah, I'm not putting him in. So this, this, <laughs> this brings up a dilemma now because two of us have picked him. Does that mean he's suitably rated or does that mean he's underrated? Oh, yeah. Right. Have we he's, broken the system? He's the underrated player, isn't he? When people talk about underrated players, he's like one of the first ones that comes up. Yeah. Here's a mad stat for you about Steve Finnan. He is the only player to have played in the World Cup, Champions League, UEFA Cup, Intertoto Cup, and all four levels of the English League football and the Football Conference. Wow. There you go. Big Steve Finnan. A very good player as well, I should point out. Winner of the Champions League with Liverpool, FA Cup with Liverpool. Uh, was very good for Fulham before he signed for us. For some reason, went to Spain afterwards. Don't remember why he did that. But yeah, big Steve Finnan, or little Steve Finnan, as I should say. Great he- right back. Did he play in the conference at the beginning of his career or end? Was it like one of these ones where he just kept going? Beginning. Is he playing as a centre-back in your team then, Owen? Yeah, I've sort of got... I've got full-backs on each side and then a centre-back That one centre-back is good. Yeah, but they're very defensive. (laughs) I've got defensive full-backs, to be honest. So it's more like three. Right. There you go. That helps that we've both spoken about Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan, replaced by Liverpool legend Philip Dagan. Hey, come on. He was a twin, and he was the worst of the twins. We signed the wrong one. <laughs> See, that's where United were right. We just signed both twins in the De Silva twins, and we're like, yeah, one, of them, one of them will be good. Which one? And then got good? rid of the other one. Well, what actually happened is Liverpool tried to replace him with Jan Kromkamp, and Jan Kromkamp was absolutely shite. <laughs> so then they eventually bought Glenn Johnson. So there you go. All roads lead to Trent. So nice one, Steve. Liverpool's second favourite, Steve. All right, so we've both gone for Steve Finnan. So that means George, you're up. Yep. And I am going to the other side of Merseyside. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm going for Seamus Coleman. Ooh. Wait. Was a habit. I genuinely think, I remember, um, obviously, he's not really picked in the first team anymore. But when he was playing, he was probably one of the better things about that Everton side for quite a few years. Yeah. That's not saying a lot. No. Because when he played, there wasn't, a lot of stars, no. but I do think he was the best part of that. And he always, I always love a player that puts in a shift and gets a little bit angry. And he is a very angry man. Yeah, I think I think because he played for Everton and that sort of style of play that Everton had when he was like doing really well goes a bit under the radar because they weren't really doing much. But he was actually an incredible right back. He could have mm-hmm. gone to a better club, I think. Yeah, I think so. I know I would say a better club. Everton are a good club, but they obviously both of Everton's fullbacks at that point. Because they had yeah. him and Leighton Baines. There was a point yeah. they had. Well, I was going to choose Leighton Baines, but I thought Leighton Baines was rated a little bit more yeah. than Coleman. He was linked with United too much to uh, become underrated. Yeah. And Coleman we... only cost them 50,000 as well. 50,000? 50,000. Yeah. Mental. That's yeah. not even a weekly wage for him now, is it? No. <laughs> I mean, for him, it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> right, sweet. On to centre-backs, I will go first again. I have got Ledley King. Uh, yeah. Constantly injured. Constantly <laughs> injured. Yeah. That's going to be a theme. Yeah. I think that's going to be a theme of the, these underrated players were injured a lot, so they never really fulfilled it. They, they? Never, never met the hype. Yeah. yeah, but Ledley King, genuinely, I think he's underrated in the sense that because he was so injury-prone, people just forget actually how good at football he was. Genuinely, mm-hmm. a fantastic ball-playing centre-back, controlled... Controlled games, played against like the golden generation of Premier League talent. He played against Ronaldo. He has something about him, but he just couldn't keep fit, which is a shame. But I do think 
he is underrated in that sense because people forget just because he was injured that he is actually a terrific football player. So yeah, Lendy King. Of course, so at that point, England had like Sol Campbell, John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Jamie Carragher. They had they were stacked at centre back. So yeah, if it have stayed fit, maybe he would have got in ahead of one of them. But yeah, yeah, it would have been difficult to get him. But he was he was a fantastic player. Yeah, because we've, we've had we've spoken about him on this before, haven't we? And he, we were talking about the fact that he used to train separately because yeah. like the quarterback does in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor little Ledley. Poor Ledley. Only twenty one. Well, little. <laughs> Owen, who you got? Uh, mine is another fullback, but he's turned centre back later on in his career. Plays for Chelsea. It's Cesar Azpilicueta. Yes, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah. yeah, I think, and and so the reason I'm choosing him is he is highly rated. He's very highly rated, but I genuinely think he is just as good a centre back as he was a fullback. Yeah, if absolutely. not better. Yeah. So it's a positionally underrated, not as a player. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I know he usually plays in a back three and that probably suits him more. Yeah. Because yeah. if I have him in a like two centre backs, that's probably not as good for him. But this team's never gonna play like this, so it's fine. No. Um yeah, I so like you say, it's it's more uh positional, like uh, underrated positional wise. Yeah. It's what I could see Luke Shaw doing one day, although Luke Shaw is quite short. Yeah. So it's, it's quite short though. He's like no, he's five, not at all, is he? Is he? Yeah, I don't think he's six. Maybe that, maybe, so maybe I'm spot on there. So I reckon Luke Shaw can do that one day and just yeah. move over. I don't think now, but no. maybe one day. With Azpilicueta, here's a testament to how underrated he is. He only has 25 international caps. Which is kind of sad because he's a terrific player and he's a Champions League winner, multiple league title winner. With Yeah, I'm just LC. thinking who who is in that Spain side. Well, who else have they got? <laughs> Yeah, it's probably uh... Eric Garcia. <laughs> to be fair, I imagine most of his 25 caps have come after Poyol retired. Yeah, the... and after Ramos switched from right back to centre back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't have much chance to do. The thing is, though, he's a utility player, which you should always take to like big competitions. But I want you to yeah. remember that statement you just said there. Why you said about utility players? Okay, you go, well, you've got a few in, have you? In. All right, <laughs> George already knows who's coming. <laughs> Right, next centre back, Owen, who you got? Right, so in the in the heart of my defence, I've got a player with 147 international caps and 163 appearances for Barcelona between 2003 and 2010. So during the the major point of Barcelona. And it is Rafael Marquez. Yeah, nice. So, I was about to say, someone with that many caps, like how can they be underrated? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Playing for he was alongside Puyol, and, yeah, and then PK and, and Mascherano. So no one ever he, he just got about it, didn't he? Yeah, understated player, fantastic player, scorer of the opening goal of the World Cup, twenty ten. Yeah, yeah. One of four he, players to play at five World Cups. Nice. Oh, wow. Any others? Uh, Ronaldo. No. So we've got Buffon. Again, one guess. <laughs> You're only allowed one. <laughs> right, so I'm going to get Buffon. Yep. Uh, there we go. Can you be nationalities? Another Mexican from the 50s and 60s, so you haven't got a chance. Um, Gonzalez. <laughs> no. Uh, Carvajal. I can't remember his first name, but his name was Carvajal, and he played in the 50s and 60s, and there's a German midfielder. How, how old is the German midfielder? 
late eighties, nineties. What? He's that old now? No, no, he's not that old now. That's his. Hey, I'm gonna get that one. <laughs> All right, uh, Beckenbauer. No. Uh, I don't know. Lothar Mateus. Ah, who's that? I don't know who that is. So, speaking of Beckenbauer, Marquez's nickname was the Kaiser because he played like Beckenbauer, you know, bringing the ball out, passing it, being a defender, bringing it into midfield, you know. Yeah. All round legend outside football. Outside football, he was nearly arrested for ties to a drug cartel. Yeah, that's what we love. That is underrated as a reason to get arrested. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're going to do it, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I just remember him being one of these players that was always like in the Barcelona first team, which is a hard thing to do, but like no one ever spoke about him. No, true. No, no, they really don't. But probably because he was alongside Puyol. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to go to my next centre-back. Here we go. This is a terrific choice, by the way. <laughs> so my centre-back is Colo Torre. Of course he is. Colo, Colo, Colo. So, hear me out, hear me out. Yes, a laughing stock, which I've actually written in my notes. You can see that I've written laughing stock in my he notes. He written laughing stock in his notes, yeah. Because of his, <laughs> his off-the-field antics and being a bit of a strange bloke, but... Uh, People forget, before the comedy of errors that was his latter career at Liverpool, uh, his latter stages at Arsenal, that he was a big part of the Invincibles. He went the whole season unbeaten for Arsenal. He was a big part of that. People forget that. When he first started, actually a terrific football player, old Colo. So, yeah, I think Colo Torre, underrated in the sense that people forget that at one time, he actually was good at football. Yeah. Hard to believe, I know, having seen him play for Liverpool for three years, but trust me, he was once good at football. We want, <laughs> Liverpool once went to the, the Bernabeu to play Real Madrid. It was a nil-nil draw, and Colo Torre was accredited with having Cristiano Ronaldo in his back pocket the whole game. <laughs> I watched that game. It was true. He did do that. You heard it here first. Colo Torre is better than Ronaldo. He was robbed of the Ballon d'Or that year. Yeah, in Arsene Wenger's biography where he's saying about the Colo's always trial. Where he's like, yes. right, that's Dennis Burkamp. He's one of our star players. Please don't hurt him. And then Torre's just like, two foot tackle. Like, All right. That, <laughs> that, that's Frederick Lundberg. He also needs to play next week. Two foot tackle. <laughs> Colo, Colo, Colo. Living legend. Yeah. Underrated as a defender. Genuinely underrated as a defender. Yeah. And yeah, that's my second choice of centre back. Colo, Colo, Colo. You have to say it three times, but it doesn't count. Oh, you're PSB, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you turn the light off, he'll be there. <laughs> My favorite thing about Colatore is the meme of his head floating in space with just the words, there's no need to be upset. It's great. <laughs> no, my favorite is the Kim Kardashian one. <laughs> where he's just poking his head around. <laughs> uh, God bless Colatore. Right. So my second centre-back, and this one is controversial, and hear me out. I picked Virgil van Dijk, right? I understand he's rated, but <laughs> you, you both gave me the same face. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So, and this it this pains me to say, right? Liverpool didn't know what they needed for a long time to win that league. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they struggled for so, so long. Yeah. They bought, they bought him. I don't think anyone thought 
he would be the answer straight away. Once the season started, you might disagree with me on this. Once the season started, like people realise, oh God, that was our missing piece, everything like that. People don't realise, and people are sort of clocked onto the fact now with City buying Ruben Diaz and stuff like that, is centre-backs are so important yeah. to a, to a, like... So this is another a positional underrated thing where you're, and do you think the importance of a centre-back is underrated? Yeah, but I think that Virgil van Dijk was the reason people realised that. Yeah. In the fact that Liverpool bought him and then they were, let's be honest, and this is coming from United fan, unstoppable. Yeah. And one of the yeah. best Premier League teams you've ever seen. Yeah. Big Verge. Uh, I knew on the I knew he was special on his first game in the FA Cup against Everton where he scored a header in his first game and I was literally like tweeting, I'm naming my firstborn Virgil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I love Virgil van Dijk, what a man. And the fact that Harry Maguire costs more than him, <laughs> which means technically, is he better rated than him <laughs> price-wise? <laughs> Probably goes to tell you that Virgil van Dijk is very much underrated. Yeah, yeah I think that's just... Or Harry Maguire shit and or overrated. the uh, transfer system is broken. And if you're English, you get 10 million added onto your value just by being English. Yeah, that's right. In Harry Maguire's case, 75 million added to your value based it's on like, being English. It's like when they say the camera adds five pounds. Being <laughs> English adds 50 million. 50 million. <laughs> <laughs> right, Owen, your last defender. Right. Speaking about English defenders, my, my last defender, my second favourite scouser ever. After my wife, obviously. It'd be Aaron Creswell, isn't it? It is Aaron Creswell, yeah. <laughs> Very underrated, especially at the moment with the way they're playing. There's, like, no, there's no need to make reference to how West Ham are doing in the league at the moment. Let's just ignore that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy for that to happen. <laughs> uh, because also, you might put your foot in it because we don't know when this is going to be released. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, he is fantastic. His form's been a bit up and down recently, and that's and that, a lot of the um, the West Ham fans online have just been saying, "Oh, you've got to get rid of him. You've got to get. He's, he's shit. He's past it. He's you know, he's no good. I don't know why we ever signed him, but you know, he's got two hundred and thirty appearances for us, and last season he got more assists than Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, and then he got three more assists than both the other English left backs in the league." And still wasn't the starter. <laughs> still only got three England caps to his name. But that's the whole point of this this episode. Is underrated. That, yeah, so. exactly. So that's a very very good choice, actually. As, as You're watching from set pieces is just re- such a good delivery. I'm really intrigued to see this team where you've got Steve Finnan and <laughs> that's right, Aaron Cresswell trying to play in the back three. Marquez is just going to be like, <laughs> help me during. Moise's first spell before we replaced him with Pellegrini, he was playing Creswell in a back three. So just want to point out, did Moyes not get sacked that time? No. He was only there for an interim. Oh, right. Uh... But they didn't make it permanent because they saw him playing Aaron Creswell as part of back three. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he can play there, which is why he's there. Yeah, fair, fair. All right, cool. Well, from one left back to another, my left back is... Maxwell. Now, if you haven't heard of Maxwell, he is a Brazilian left back. Sporting director of PSG. He is the sporting director of PSG. So Maxwell (laughs) is joint second in the most trophies won by an individual player for a bit part left back. Basically, 
he has ridden the coattails of Lionel Messi his whole career <laughs> and won loads <laughs> of trophies at Barcelona. And then he went to Inter and won some more trophies there. And then he went to PSG and won some more trophies there. So basically, he was riding on the coattails of Neymar <laughs> and Messi and then Neymar again. Uh, but Max, actually, genuinely, a very good left-back. Um, he started off at Ajax in Europe. Uh, he started off at Cruzeiro and then went to Ajax and then Barca, Inter and PSG. So he's played for some massive historical teams in Europe and in Brazil. He has made not that many appearances. He's quite injury-prone. But... He has played for all those teams and won 37 trophies across his career. That's the only mad. player to win more is Dani Alves, who also rid the coattails <laughs> of Lionel Messi. So cheers, Leo. You've got Maxwell place in my under-8-11. But genuinely underrated because, yes, uh, obviously he's played in some great teams, but you have to be a good player to play in those teams. And to win 37 trophies, no matter how good or rubbish you are, either he's got a very good agent that talks him into big moves or he's actually pretty good. Underrated agent. Underrated agent. <laughs> there you go. New captain. <laughs> well, how are the people, the two players with the most individual trophies? Full bucks. Well, he's actually joint second with Cristiano Ronaldo with 37. Right. Moving on to my left back. And you mentioned the Invincibles earlier. And I have gone with the left back from the Invincible side, which is Ashley Cole. Now, Ashley. That's, that's another I, big call. I know. And underrated. Because do you hear anyone when they when they so you know when people are saying about with Andy Robertson and Trent now and they're just like oh no one ever wanted to grow up to be a Gary Neville that famous quote yeah, and stuff yeah. like that so no one ever wanted to grow up to be a fullback I disagree in the fact that people watched Ashley Cole he was a fantastic player and possibly the best left back that's been in the Premier League Ooh. big shout and I'm desperately trying to think if there is hot anyone take. bigger yeah <laughs> hot take i think it's a good take um but i i fully will stand by it i was going to put dennis Irwin there um that would have been a great call I, yeah i was yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. that then when you were saying Ashley Cole was, yeah. i was going to put dennis Irwin because people literally don't talk about dennis Irwin at all in a conversation but i put ashley cole there because i think after he left chelsea and went abroad everyone sort of just forgot about him and forgot how good he actually was. Yeah, he might not have... I don't know how he performed out there, to be perfectly honest. Uh, even I mean, the, the, the picture of him outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it probably he suggests well. he didn't get on with anyone. But um, personally, I think he's the best left-back in the Premier League, which is why I think he's underrated, because I don't... I'm not sure a lot of people would agree. Yeah, with I, I think I think his move from Arsenal to Chelsea just put off two sets of fans, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, yeah. As soon as he joined Chelsea, all the Arsenal fans hated him. But then because he played for Arsenal and Chelsea, all the rest of the London team's fans hate him. Mm-hmm. So then he just, that's a lot of teams to hate him, which means he doesn't get talked about in a very positive light. And then obviously the whole outside of football, that photo shoot where he's like in the clouds with Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Jesus. But yeah, I think genuinely, in terms of football there, but actually I agree, he's underrated because people just sort of forget he's actually very good at football. I also think that photo shoot is underrated. Oh, God. I got that. Oh, photo. dear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, into the midfield. So I've got four across the midfield, so I'm going to start with my centre mids. Uh, my first centre mid is an Italian maestro, box-to-box dynamic midfielder, Claudio Marchisio. Nice. Yeah. 
So Claudio Marchisio, I think, is underrated because he's constantly been overshadowed by his teammates that he's played with over the years. Del Piero, who's in his shadow. I know they're not the same position, but Del Piero, Pogba, Pirlo, Arturo Vidal when he was there. All these players have all had one thing in common, and that was they played alongside Claudio Marchisio, who I don't think gets the credit he deserves for being such an amazingly talented football player and a very handsome one at that. Hot or not, come back for season two, where you at? <laughs> So, yeah, I think he's constantly just a quality player and overshadowed by his very, very, very good teammates. But consistently in the team, he got relegated with them because of the whole cheating thing, came back up with them after a loan spell and then just kept his place in the team until injuries, unfortunately, stopped him from being very good and he went to Zenit St. Petersburg. But yeah, won a lot of league titles, but not spoken about in the same sort of conversation as like Gattuso, Perlo, like the great point, yeah. Italian midfielders. He's not talked about in the same conversation but he should be yeah and the, the point you made there as well about him being a constant in the team when all these incredible players are coming and going shows how like yeah how important he was yeah, yeah. absolutely right Owen into your midfield take us there first central midfielder right I've actually picked a player now that George is going to like 500 Premier League appearances 34 England Cups yeah. Champions League Europa League, Intertoto Cup, FA Cup, five Premier Leagues. Yeah. It's Michael Carrick. Yeah. Yeah, I almost put him in mine. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, but, you know, fuck United, so I didn't. So. He's also a shit coach now, and it's really annoying me. Yeah, so. it really hurt me to put an ex-Spurs player in, to be honest. Oh, God, yeah. He was ex-West Ham uh, as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He jumped ship when we got relegated to Spurs. Oh. No gobshite. Um, but, yeah, in that team with Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, Berbatov, Scholes, like, all that going forward and then he was just there and he sat and he glued it all together ironically he is the player that united need right now yeah yeah that's actually written in my notes yeah he is (laughs) he is the same as someone else i was going to put in which is diddy Hamam. nice because he is a player that you don't realize what he does until he's not there yeah and you're like ah shit (laughs) but he he did the same for england as well because you had lampard and gerard obviously both great central midfielders but both more attacking midfielders yeah. and then he would be able to just sit there him and Owen Hargreaves could just sit there and soak yeah. it up well there's a there's a theory called Ewing theory from basketball right so it's about my beloved Knicks and basically it's that if you take the best player from your team who's much better than everyone else out of the team does the team get better and I think Carrick plays into that in the England squad whereas if you had Gerard and Lampard and Scholes are the three best players in that England squad, or three of the best. But you have to take one of them out, and then that becomes Ewing theory because the good one goes, and then someone replaces it, and that'd be Michael Carrick, and he then makes the team better. Yeah, because yeah. it's more of a need, isn't it, then, rather than... That's a great shout, Michael Carrick. Yeah. Severely underrated for no reason whatsoever. Like He's one of those players where, I don't know if either of you put him in there, but Karim Benzema, everyone says he's underrated, but how long... Can you be underrated before you are? I was going I he was so close to going in, but now now he's like he's in Ballon d'Or. Super rated, so yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I agree. So, with yeah, Carrick. Benzema was so close to going in. But. Yeah, but I agree, Matt Carrick severely underrated for what he actually provides on the football pitch and a great player. I went to his testimony in Old Trafford as well. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, he dabbed in the centre circle, which you know. I think he did it because his kid was in the crowd, but still. I the dab? Bit... Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, very much so. <laughs> it's about taking coke off your arm. Did you ever know that? Uh, I thought it was for a sneeze, wasn't it? No. No? All right. Apparently, it's what you, people used to do is take coke off that. So my character's a cokehead is what you're saying? No. <laughs> you're saying that, you know, all the you're kids... Here, here, first kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> my character loves coke. That's why you ran so much. Right. My defensive midfielder is quite similar... What I would say quite similar to Drew's reasoning for it is the fact he was always a constant in a squad of absolute stars. So he used to play with Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, all around him, people coming and going. He was always there. People hate him. I know people hate him because he's a diver. He gets booked all the time. He's aggressive, whatever. But I think he's incredible. It's Busquets. Nice. I genuinely, genuinely think he's one of the best like holding defensive midfielders. Yeah. In the world, yeah, maybe yeah. not now, but he was. I, I just think it's the same. It's the same thing, like you were saying, is the fact that because of the players that played around him, yeah, took the limelight away from him. Absolutely, and just and also, I don't think his like like him diving all the time for a defensive midfielder, which is really yeah, weird. it's not great. Um, I think people started to dislike him, so just didn't sort of think about him in that. Yeah, well, I think the whole. Thing, like you said, of him playing alongside two of the greatest midfielders ever to play the game, yeah, means you're not really gonna look that at the same ilk, are you? Because <laughs> no one's got time to talk about you if you're talking about any Esther and Xavi before that, yeah, yeah. Nice little full circle moment that Xavi is now the manager of Sergio Busquets, yeah, yeah. Mm. Will he do well? <laughs> That's for another podcast, <laughs> not this one, yeah. We don't talk about that, current issues aren't our thing, right? So Another messy connection here. So my next midfielder is more of a centre attacking midfielder, which is fine because Marquisio can play defensive mid. So that I'm going for a bit of a diamond in my 4-4-2. So my centre attacking midfielder is Pablo Aymar. Pablo awesome. Aymar, yeah. minute legend from Argentina, played for Valencia, uh, played for Real Zaragoza, played for some good teams. Uh, but he is known for being one of Lionel Messi's biggest inspirations as a footballer. When he was a youngster, he was wow. tipped to be the same sort of character as Maradona, not in the, the drugged out party boy sense, in the actual good at football sense. Football technically, um, yeah. So yeah, Pablo Aymar um, was one of Messi's, and this is Messi's words, was one of Messi's biggest inspirations as a kid growing up because he saw this little guy running around the pitch, dancing around, banging in free kicks. And he never hit the heights of Lionel Messi, not at all. But I actually saw him play in a preseason friendly against Liverpool for Valencia. And he was just next level. I mean, we were playing like the kids, but he was fantastic. Great hair, dancing around, free kick specialist. And here is a fantastic thing about him. He had two nicknames. His nicknames were El Majo, which means the wizard, and El Payoro, which means the clown. <laughs> So, Two things are, so the clown similar. wizard, absolute legend. <laughs> the wizardy clown. The wizardy clown, but underrated because not a lot of people talk about him. But if you are the one of the biggest inspirations for Lionel Messi, the greatest player to grace this earth ever, in my opinion, then you got to have something going for you. If he's saying, hey, I'm good, but if you had a Pablo Aymar, because I think he's class, that says <laughs> yeah. a lot for me. Imagine, like, tell you'd tell your grandkids that. Oh, you? absolutely! Like, oh, you know, little messy. He, uh, and your kids would be, your grandkids would be like, that's nah, bullshit. Yeah, whatever you say. Yeah, okay, granddad. whatever. 
But like, you're just like, yeah, yeah, you're Lionel Messi. He said that I was uh, one of his biggest inspirations of like fair play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fair so, play. Yeah. Pablo Weimar, little mm. legend, underrated because no one talks about him. I don't talk about him, so yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I've not really thought about him since FIFA 2004, so there you go. And now you are again. <laughs> FIFA 2004, underrated game. Moving into my my other central midfielder um, is Celtic legend Shunsuke Nakamura. Oh, absolute wand of a left foot. A, a commentator once said he could open a tin of beans with his left foot. Why would that's you direct, want to do that? That's a direct quote to, about him. What does that even mean? Let's unpack I, that. Yeah, let's unpack that. That's a really weird. Like does it mean everything got, that he that they said he could do with his left foot. Good, he could open he a tin of beans. To me, that suggests he's got like dexterous toes. Yeah, he can open cans like a monkey would. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm sure that's not what he meant, but that's also, what I think of it. Yeah. Also, is it the ones with the little ring that you can pull and nah, like, yeah, <laughs> or, or is it the one we have to like? Get a yeah, tin opener. Yeah. So or about with the boot, comment on his poor mental hygiene, and he's got massive long toenails that you can <laughs> cut just, a just can <laughs> So I yeah. don't think that makes any unless it means he's just kicking a football off the the top of a can of beans, and it would just yeah just explodes. Yeah. Owen, can you get in contact with that that commentator? <laughs> right, I'll, I'll get. Him. So what a stupid quote, <laughs> you idiot! He was nominated for the 2007 Ballon d'Or. Yep. Was he? Uh, he was, yeah, after a Champions League game against Man United where he absolutely dominated him in the middle. Surely that wasn't for that one game. And like, well, no, but on it. Let's it's, get it's, it's, it's the same year where in the Champions League he absolutely dominates teams like 2007 Man United. Um, yeah, it, isn't that the one that they beat as 1-0 at Old Trafford? Yeah, he scored the absolutely worldly free kick. Very He's uh, still playing at 43 years old. Is he? He is, yeah. Took part in a game show where he had to Score a free kick into his feet. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, he had to score a free kick against a 15 foot inflatable robot goalkeeper. Did he score? He did. Yeah. Yeah. What did he win? And, I don't know. It's a Japanese game show. Who knows what they win? There's a. Tin of beans. There's, yeah. there's a. I think I don't know if it is Japanese, but there's a game show where they do have a robotic keeper, which no one has ever scored against, and even Messi's tried and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's one that falls. Isn't it's it? the one that's like. It's, it's not that. Quick. It was like a bouncy castle sized goalkeeper, and he was just like, nah, top one. Oh, okay. As far as I'm aware, he's the only footballer to have an asteroid named after him. So floating around in space, there is the Shunsuke asteroid that was named after him. God, I hope it doesn't hit a can of beans. (laughs) Yeah, it just opened really clean. Wouldn't explode. Just Just skin lid off. (laughs) Yeah. By the time it reaches, it'll be like one of those little skimming stones you throw it to try and bounce on the water. Shunsuke Nakamura, absolute. So underrated because he played for Celtic. Who named him? Who named an asteroid after him? Heinz Beans. Celtic fan astronomers. I, this is the best I can be. Yeah. There are yeah. no Celtic fans that are astronomers. <laughs> I can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before I insult the, the great nation of Scotland and the, the very aggressive city of Glasgow, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. I've sort of, so I've got a CDM, a sort of your average centre mid and an attacking mid. So this is like my central midfielder who's just going to hold the play together. It's Clarence Seydorf. Oof. Now, again, another one, I'm picking very good players, but that I just don't feel like are spoken about enough. Even though they are regarded as very good, I just don't think they're regarded as good as they were. Clarence Seydorf played in, and I know this is a weird thing to 
uh, pick up. You know the soccer raid. Yeah, he played in one of them recently. I don't think it was the last one. He might have played in the last one. It but was, was, he one... was absolutely ripped. Yeah, still is. Yeah. The one, yeah. the one he played in. I remember watching. I was just like, he does not give a shit that there are celebrities in this. That it's for charity. That it's for. He's just like, I still want to prove. I'm the best player on this pitch. And he fucking did. And I swear he was like 45 or even older than that. <laughs> he was just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to shit. Tom Grennan, fuck off. <laughs> like, but like, like I said, it's a weird thing to bring up. But just, I think, feel like throughout his whole career, he was sort of, there's a lot of um, midfielders that were at the same generation as him that maybe was the reason that he wasn't spoken about as much. But I think he was incredible. And yeah, like you're saying, just, ripped. Like, just that fucking... 18, just that AC Milan team from that era. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was full of superstars. So obviously one of them is going to be the underrated one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And unfortunately it was him. Although I'd rather be underrated than overrated. So. Yeah, true. True. All right then, on to my first winger. My left winger is underrated because he's been overshadowed his whole career by other wingers that play in the same position as him. But he's a consistent big game player, has played for many, many good teams and also a very, very good country. It is Pedro. That's a shout. That's Pedro. a really good shout. Yeah, played alongside yeah. Messi and then got ousted by Neymar and then went to Chelsea, got ousted by Eden Hazard and then now plays for Roma. Does he play for Roma now? No, he plays for Fiorentina now. He, he went to Spain at the era of Villa and Torres. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So wherever he's gone, is much like Kalon Navas in that he goes somewhere and then eventually they replace him because they think they can do better. When really, he is a very, very good player. Mm. Scores very crucial goals. Big game player. Was that for Chelsea? Same for Barca. Like, had massive impact in massive games. Won Champions Leagues, won League titles but will never be spoken about in the same ilk as the, the greatest Spanish players because people always say, oh, well, it's because he was playing with Messi or because he played with Neymar, because he played with whoever. But really, yeah. he actually is a fantastic football player and a very underrated one at that. Yeah, yeah I always thought that when, he, you know, they'd start him and I'd go, but they've got like Neymar, Suarez and Messi. Why would they? And then he'd score and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that's why they play. Yeah, that's it's... why. He's actually very good. I can't remember if it was him or Sanchez yeah. who scored a chipped goal against Real Madrid in the El Clasico once. That's uh, like, I think it was a game where Barcelona like won 4-0 so they like wiped the floor with Real Madrid. But I swear he just chipped him from like outside the box. For the sake of this podcast, it was Pedro. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Owen, next one. Right, so I'm going to take a step back from the, the Pablo Imars and the Pedros and uh, this next one is Deed Malbronk in central attacking midfield. So we nice. look at he's got 300 Premier League appearances, and you know he played over 100 times for Lyon as well, which people don't think about. But it'd just be remembered for playing in a diabolical Sunderland team. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he made his name at Fulham, didn't he? In the, and really, in if, you, if you look if you look at the games, yeah. Um, in fact. Uh, when he first signed for Fulham, his ex-youth coach called him the Fulham Zidane. <laughs> the only person to ever be called that. Yeah. yeah. I'm also trying to think of a, te- a Sunderland team that wasn't god-awful as well. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think we have many on Netflix. <laughs> we <watched laughs> on Netflix. I forget that chant from Newcastle fans. Yeah, Steve Mabrant, great choice. Just, but the, the, the way he played, he had the vision, he made passes. Yeah, Not the, not the quickest for a midfielder, but he didn't no. need to be because he had the the vision to make pass and cross him. 
The only anecdote I have for you on Steve Malbronk was in Red Dead Redemption 2, when I played the online version, I named my horse Steed Malbronk. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it was you have it, folks. <laughs> Not every footballer gets a horse name. There you go. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> I mean, I've completely lost with your formation now. I'm not going to worry. Yeah, you just name players at this point. So, so don't, don't try and explain it. I'll figure it out when I see it written down somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's gone. So I know you've got four strikers at some point. but Well, it's, it, yeah, two two wide forwards and then two strikers. So is Steve Malbrunk one of those? No, he is uh, the attacking midfield. So he's in the midfield. I swear you've lost count there. Surely you've got too many players. No, no. Maths underrated. It's four. It, it's three, four, three, three, but backwards. So it's right. three, three, four. Right. Got you. So Steve Malbronk's okay. in midfield, but he's just sort of ahead of the Nakamura and Carrick. Got you. Yeah. Right then, George, away from this confusion. David Silver. David Silver. Yeah. Again, I, I, I'm very aware that I keep just picking players that are regarded as very good, but George is just playing to win. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I because I think I think people will choose more like who is more underrated, and people might not agree with the fact that mine are underrated. The fact that I put Virgil Van Dijk in there, so um, yeah, David Silva is it's so so hard for me to like put him in there because oh, I hate City so much. I hate City so much, <laughs> but <laughs> genuinely, it he was an absolute joy to watch in the Premier League. It, whenever he played for City, if he was if he was at that sort of I wouldn't call it a false uh, 10 roll because you had a striker in front of him. Yeah. But it seemed like he was almost playing that and just him distributing the player to the strikers or wingers or whatever. And he was just incredible. And he's so tiny. Yeah. You would think, yeah, you'd think at some point he'd get injured or whatever. And I don't think he was injured that much at City. No, I think so. And so when he left City, I always thought like, why, why did they get rid of him? Because I didn't think he was ever, he didn't seem to drop off. No. And then United played, was it Bilbao that he played for now? Sociedad. Sociedad, sorry, yeah. And he, again, ripped us apart. Yeah, lost it. <laughs> and I was just like, he's still he's still got it, but people people have probably forgotten about him a little bit because he's not playing at a big side anymore. But he's still got it, and he's yeah, he's an incredible player. Is he part of that statue that's going outside the city? Yes. Around? Yeah, I think I was just going to say, why have you picked an underrated player, but you picked one with a statue outside the stadium? He's underrated outside of his team. Also, yeah. who else is City going to put a statue up of? That is a Joe. Good point. <laughs> Joe. Great player. <laughs> All right, my right winger. Now, you mentioned utility men before, and listeners to this podcast will know there is one utility man in particular. Fuck off. Fuck off. That I love more than any. And my right mid is... Yorkshire Figo, Hammers Milner. Woo! Episode he, he, one of the back. James Milner. He was so close to mine. He, he didn't go into mine purely because I was just like, oh, I've got a lot of Liverpool players here. I'm going to have to cut some out. <laughs> so James Milner has made 575 appearances in, in his career. He's still going at the grand old age of 35 years old. And he's still an amazing footballer. I think people just assume because he's an engine and he's good at running, he actually isn't that good at football, but that is a lie. Show me a man that has consistently played very, very well. Right back, left back, centre mid, centre attacking mid, centre defensive mid, right wing, left wing. Anywhere you put him, he plays extremely well. He has the tools to do it. 
underrated because he's actually one of the Premier League's best ever players. And I'll say that and I mean it. Shots fired. <laughs> Hammers Milner. Just waiting for George to compute his response to this. Well, you've just said that James Milner is one of the best players in the Premier and League. And I mean it. Underrated. Look at his stats. Look at his consistency. Titles won. Not many. There's only <laughs> but still, very, very true, good player. One with Liverpool, one with City. So. And what I'll say is, for James Milner, for those of you thinking, ah, he's not that underrated. He joined Liverpool when he was 30 years old. Signed by Brendan Rodgers on a free. And then Jurgen Klopp transformed him into the ultimate utility man and has used him in every position, started in massive games. And at 35, started in central midfield. Yes, it was against Watford, but ran the show. He was making one-twos, darting into the box. He's 35 years old, plays at 35, more often than not. Go off to America and just sit and play for what DC United and get spanked 3-0 every week by someone else. But he stick around for one of the most demanding managers in world football, one of the hardest physical tests you can have as a player is to play for Jurgen Klopp because he demands so much from the press side of things. And he still does it. And he's 35. Underrated. Yeah, I'll give you that. Boom. James Miller. Owen, one of your however many 12 strikers you've got left. Right, so 574 club appearances playing for teams like Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal and Chelsea. He has 102 international caps. He was the highest goal scorer in Ajax's academy when he was just six. And it is Yossi Benayoun. <laughs> oh, what a shout that oh, is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So he thread the ball as well as anyone. He made such great dribbles, hat-tricks in the Premier League and Champions League and the Liga. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Yeah. Dr- such dramatic goals. Always scored dramatic goals, especially for Liverpool. Yeah, he did. Winning header against Real Madrid. 94th minute winner against Fulham for Liverpool. And then a diving header and a last minute volley to rescue a 4-4 draw with Arsenal. What a man. I love Jossi Bayoun. So so under... People just didn't talk about him enough. When he was at West Ham, I thought, he's just dribbling through everyone. West Ham don't have players like this. I mean, we... We have now, but back then we didn't. It was unheard of. We'd just been promoted. Yeah, unbelievable player. What a shout that is. Vastly underrated, I agree. He is very underrated. Yeah. Still. Wow, what a choice. Love that. Follow that, George. Go on. I mean, yeah, that's a... Uh... Who's your next choice? Cristiano Ronaldo? No. <laughs> Mine is someone that I almost put in my streets and never forget team, but didn't, is Arshavan. Nice. As a, yeah. I've sort of got it's very similar, to be honest. Yeah. So when you were saying Ben Ayun, I was like, I think you might have chosen the better one there for, for underrated, for like the underrated wise. Arshavin, I thought, was when he played in Arsenal, I would say he's one of the better players in that team, but wasn't given that credit for it. Yeah. I thought he was amazing. Best Russian player to ever play in the Premier League? Yeah. Got to be. Was it him and Pavlochenko? Well, it's uh, Kachelskis that played for United, wasn't there? And then you got uh, Yuri Zhirkov played for Chelsea as well. I think, uh, yeah, that's a shout as well. Andrea Shavin, that, that'll be always that iconic image of him scoring four against Liverpool and running away with a four in front of his face. Yeah, on the yellow kit. That was the yellow yeah. kit, yeah. That was a nice kit. <laughs> was a nice kit. Underrated kit for Andrea Shavin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, so next, I'm going to my front line. My strikers, they're big shouts. So get ready, fans. So my first striker was once the most expensive player in world football, was named, and this is throwback to season one, named in Pele's top 125 players. <laughs> it is Christian Vieri. That's a good shout. Italian striker, fantastic player in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like I said, was once the most expensive player in world football, has scored goals wherever he went. He's played in Spain, he's played in Italy, played for Italy. Christian Vieri, a fantastic player, but doesn't get spoken about as one of the best players in Italian football history. I mean, if the best player in the world, in his own head, puts him in his top 125 players... I don't know if you can call him under it. I think he's very... I'm joking. <laughs> you put Virgil van Dijk in. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. No, yeah, uh, yeah that, is, that is incredible. Show. Simply because it's not... At the time, obviously, very rated. And I think people that know football from that era will say he's not underrated. But for this new generation of football fans, I don't think he gets spoken about to the point where I don't think if you found someone who knows a lot about football but was born like mid-2000s, I don't think they would know too much about Christian Vieri. I think his legend has been lost a little bit along the way. So, yeah, I think Christian Vieri, underrated, but a fantastic football player and a great striker. So there's my, there's my choice. Owen, on to your next choice. Right, my left, left winger is a Dortmund legend. Again, one of these players that probably would have done more. I'm going to make the biggest call that I'll make on this podcast ever. If he hadn't have had so many injuries, it, they, he would have been spoken about in the same level as Messi and Ronaldo. <laughs> and I'm going to say it's Marco Royce. Ah, that's a hot take. I'm going to say that. If he hadn't have had so many injuries, because he had everything that they had. He had the skill, the vision, dribbling, pace, finishing. And he played under Klopp in that era where Dortmund were just, where they were challenging Bayern Munich and getting to Champions League finals. I think had he not had such a bad injury record, he would have been up there with I have also chosen Marco Royce oh, on my team. Nice. <laughs> One of my yeah. So as soon as you said it, I was like, because you started off with the whole, like, we should, we should have been named uh, with Ronaldo. And, and I was like, I don't know where this is going. As soon as you said it, I was like, yeah. I remember when Dortmund came on the scene, they were like, oh, actually, there is another good team in Germany. Yeah. And it was like Royce, Goethe, Lewandowski, um, Blaschkowski, Piszczek. Yeah, that team, uh, Hummels, that team. I absolutely loved, and he, out of everyone, just stood, stood like, you could say Lewandowski now, because obviously he's gone on to do bigger and better things. Yeah. But I also love the fact that Royce has stayed loyal. Yeah. Like he's one of these players that just, he's happy where he is, and he likes being Loyalty, underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from two married men and a single man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree, Marco Royce. Absolutely unbelievable player. Just the injuries obviously played this career. And like you said, he, I, I don't know if I would have got that high, but I agree with you that he would have done a lot more had he not been so injury prone. But yeah, what a player. All right, so yeah, here we go. The, uh, the only player to break up the Messi-Ronaldo FIFA covers in the late 2010s. <laughs> Cheers, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> and is that something you have on your wall? <laughs> Champions League trophy. It has to be, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so here's my hot take. Are you ready for this? About to blow your damn minds. Underrated striker, Wayne Rooney. 
mean, See, I, agree. I thought about him as well. <laughs> I was and I was just like, no, I'm going to get rinsed. Well, that was not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, I, I fully agree. So if we just, um, I'm going to insert a tumbleweed into that moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so I almost picked him, uh, but didn't because I had a feeling I would have a backlash because I'm a United fan and stuff like that. See, well, I almost me... picked him, but I thought I'd just get rinsed because he's not underrated. Because I didn't, because you know, I thought you'd not think he was underrated. Well, that's where you're wrong. So, Wayne Rooney, as we all know, England's all time leading goal scorer, mm-hmm. Manchester United's all time leading goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, people think he's very good. I think what happened to him was that he left United and went to DC United, and that didn't really go so well for him. He did some good things, but not too much. And then he went to Everton, and that wasn't really good. And then to Derby, and then the same happened again. I think his decline was quite rapid, which is a shame because he spent so long in the limelight and so long at the top of the game. But you think he's been playing at the top level of, of football, European and internationally, since he was 17 years old. And to do that for such a prolonged period of time and score all those goals, and then people still talk about it now, like you're not one of the best players ever. They're outrageous. Underrated because people have forgotten that just because he had a few bad seasons doesn't make you a bad player. He was unbelievable. Yeah. As a Liverpool fan, I can say with confidence that a former Everton United player is one of the best players of all time. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just <laughs> I'm no, I'm with you on that. And I think I said it, I think in the last season in my own episode, possibly, that I hated the fact how his career ended, his his playing career ended. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't have this big bow out that you know, like David Beckham had. It's like a lot of these players who are incredible players have big bow outs of their career. You can imagine Messi and Ronaldo doing that. Yeah. And it's like he just ended up being a player manager and then a uh, joint manager, wasn't it? Yeah. And then who was now it? Now he's just the manager, yeah. That's what I mean. Uh, so he Liam left. Racine, so then he yeah, just sort of went, Oh, I'll stop my playing career and be manager. Mm-hmm. And I think him retiring from playing his playing career there just went under the radar. Yeah, like no like, fanfare and ceremony. Yeah, he just retired. One of yeah. the best players to ever play in the Premier League, just sort of finishing. And it was just a bit like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I fucking love Rooney. I, I think well. the best thing that could have happened for Rooney was when Mourinho went back to Chelsea and he wanted to sign Rooney. If Rooney had gone to Chelsea and Mourinho then, I think his career would have been revived and he would have done a lot more. I think he just went stale at United. I think he would have done, done, done bits under Mourinho. Especially that Mourinho. Yeah. I know he did. He did play for Mourinho, didn't he, for United? Yeah. 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 I think for the Chelsea version, it would have been a better fit for him at the time with the players around that Chelsea had at the time. Imagine prime Eden Hazard with Wayne Rooney. That would have been a lovely little partnership. So, yeah, there you go. Wayne Rooney, underrated. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that one. Record goal scorer, but still... People don't rate him as highly as they should. I think people he's, he's a player that people like to hate. Yes. Like yeah. he, I mean, he gives them reason to, but you can't, you can't, if you take away the man away from the footballer and you just talk about the footballer, one of the best to ever play the game. Owen, next player. Like I said before, I was going to put Benzema in up front because he was criminally underrated for years, but now he's actually being rated fairly. Yeah. So I've gone for another Celtic player or ex-Celtic player. He's going to be a good foil for players like Benny and Malbrock and Royce, so those, those silky passy players. Now I've got this big dominant target man up front and it's John Hartson. Oh. John Hartson? For some yeah. reason, when you were saying that, then I really thought you were going to say Jan Renegor or Pestelink. I thought you were going to yeah. say Henrik Larsson. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, John Hartson. John Hartson. Wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Conveniently, you're also a former West Ham player. Yep. 
let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> um, after you know the, the whole incident at West Ham where he uh, kicked the teammate in the head. Ah, yeah, I'll do it. And the IR who he kicked once said, uh, if my head was a football, it would have been top corner. Nice. At least he took it well. Yeah. So, um, obviously, 167 goals in 400 career appearances for big teams, you know, Celtic, West Ham, Arsenal. Brian Kidd uh, once tried to convince Fergie to sign him for United. Yeah, Ferguson didn't want him. Wanted someone I can't remember who he signed in, who he signed instead. I think it was Andy Cole, but that ah, worked out pretty well. It worked out <laughs> it well. Didn't really worked so. out, did it? <laughs> so, but outside football, where John Hartson really becomes underrated, is he works as a pundit, but he also runs a charity supporting families suffering from cancer. After you know, he obviously suffered for years. He had testicular cancer, but while he was suffering from that, it spread to both his brain and his lungs. So to suffer from that, come back continue playing for a bit as both an international and a thing, and then go on, retire, set up this foundation, help families that are suffering from the same things you've suffered from. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. Top man. Guy. Follow that, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So I have not put United player in my team yet. And like I said, it was going to be uh, Rooney up front but I decided against it. It was actually going to be Andy Cole that you mentioned as well, just because, yes, he was a great player, but I don't think he gets spoken about enough. But this one actually is genuinely underrated, I think. And he's got one of the best first touches in football, I think. Came to us from Tottenham. Fergie picked him up from the airport and decided, no, you're not going. You're not going City. You're going to come to us. It is Dimitar Berbatov. Did he actually do that? Yeah, apparently. What? So he was like disguised as a cabbie with <laughs> his no, sign, and he gets in the I, car I, like, "Ha ha, it's I, me." So I don't, I don't know if like the the me that sort of uh, media like big it up and make it sound better <clears> than it was. But Fergie, there is a picture of Fergie driving away from the airport with Berbatov in his passenger seat really, after after all the stories that Berbatov was going to go to City. Right. So really it is like just the idea of him sat in the Manchester <laughs> airport with a sign saying Berbatov with like a fake, fake beard on, gets in the cab and goes, "Ha ha, it's me." <laughs> that's why that's why when um Ronaldo was uh, reportedly going to City I think I messaged Josh saying something like I hope he does a Berbatov and he did do a Berbatov just a bit more public but yeah I think I think it was more the media attention was sort of like oh he's going to City and then suddenly there was this picture come out with him in a car with Alex Ferguson <laughs> it was like oh shit he's been hijacked because he he played obviously with Rooney Ronaldo Tevez he probably didn't get into the team as much as he could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying that he was better than any of those players. I'm just saying that that's probably the reason that he didn't have as big a career as he did at United. Yeah. But some of the things he did at United, like his highlight reel at United is incredible. I was in Old Trafford when I saw him score an overhead kick against Liverpool when he scored a, uh, I think he scored a hat-trick in that game. I know, I'm sorry, Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that game where it was going out of play in the, go- um, the goal line and he did, some sort of Megidi esque spin yeah. through someone's McGeady legs, <laughs> and uh, I just he like genuinely his control was incredible. Yeah, his close control. And that. The only problem is, and I think which is why uh, he didn't go on to have the career that he could have done was he was quite lazy. Yeah, you'd see him walk around the pitch a lot and sort of not. He didn't look that he didn't look bothered a lot of the time. I don't know if that's just the way that he was, but yeah. Yeah. Dimitar Berbatov genuinely 
one of my favourite United players. Fantastic player, a fantastic player. Yeah. Like I said, the touch on him, unbelievable. Like he reminded me of any player that ever has of Yago Benito. If a player yeah. from Bulgaria was ever going to do it, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be Dimitar Berbatov. But yeah, hell of a player. And it, he is vastly underrated as well because he was very good for Bayern Leverkusen and for Tottenham mm-hmm. as well before he signed for United. It's one of them players Argu- that arguably think... he was better for Tottenham than he was for United yeah. as well. People always forget about players that sign for big clubs that they did actually play at clubs before. <laughs> it's not like they didn't just <laughs> arrive at the club like, oh my God, this player's amazing. They had to do something to get there first. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Owen. Take us away. Last choice. My your... last striker and arguably probably the least underrated of all the players that I've picked. He played for three of the biggest clubs in the world, Ajax, Inter Milan and Arsenal. And it's uh, Dennis Burkamp. Yeah. Nice. yeah, arguably the least underrated of the players, but I just think if you think of the, the people that he played alongside up front, so for Ajax, he was playing alongside Van Basten and Overmars, and for Holland, he was playing against them, and Van Basten's one of the best center forwards of all time. Mm-hmm. And then at Inter, he had players like Del Vecchio, and, and obviously Jermaine Ali Adier at Arsenal. was just... <laughs> 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 but no, the list of Arsenal strikers that he played alongside, like Ian Wright, Thierry Henry, Nicholas and Elke, I think <laughs> what he did, yeah. Did he play with him? No, he I was going to say he was the he was the big camp replacement. <laughs> In fact, my previous striker, John Hartson, when he was talking about um, the best strikers he's ever played with, said if Dennis Burkamp played in snow, he wouldn't leave footprints. That's how good he was. Let's Wait. unpack that statement. What he does le- that mean? He levitate. So he f- that's what he said. He would float. He just oh, right. okay. <laughs> floated about the pit. He just wouldn't wouldn't leave uh, wouldn't leave footprints. And you know, I think with John the first Hartson was drunk when he said that. <laughs> yeah. Was it John yeah. Hartson that said about Nakamura taking the <laughs> probably <laughs> He did play for Celtic at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So um no, I I think I agree with you on that one in the fact that playing with Thierry Henry quite possibly the best Premier League player ever to play. Yeah. Um, you can get overshadowed and Burkham was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you say he was like a striker or like a... Like a 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got him up front because of the system. But... Yeah. No, he's still no, would play up front. Yeah. But yeah. I think if you think about it in context of like now that positions have sort of developed over time, what you could put him out. A bit more fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously... When I was just looking at Bearcamp, I had to look at the uh, the goal against Argentina in the nineteen ninety eight World Cup. Yeah, uh, so one against I think quite, it was Newcastle one for me where he spins the defender. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that in my notes, but just the close control that he had in in the box was absolutely incredible. Yeah, mm, outrageous player. All right, well there you go. There's our first 11s in the bag. All right, super sub. So uh, my super sub is someone that I really toyed with putting in the first team, but I thought one of you would to put him in there, so I didn't. It is. Olivier Giroud. I almost put him oh, as my super yeah. sub, but I picked someone even, over him. He's that underrated. I didn't even think of him. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Olivier Giroud had the had the misfortune of playing for Arsenal in a period of transition, which they seem to be in forever. In fact, they actually seem to be out, coming out of it now. But Olivier Giroud signed for Arsenal, scored a lot of goals, won a Puskas Award for his Scorpion kick against Crystal Palace. So good. He then goes to a, to Chelsea, scores. And really important goals, does very well again. And then he signs for AC Milan, where, again, he scores important goals and is a terrific player. A great header of the ball, actually a terrific finisher. Not For me, I think he probably wasn't suited for the Premier League. He stayed for a long time, but he probably could have been better if he played in Spain. Yeah. 
Uh, I think his game would fit there better. But the one thing that goes under the radar is that he is only a few goals away from being France's all-time leading goal scorer, Olivier Giroud. I thought he already was. I think he's like two goals off, is he? Is he? He might. He might be. That's incredible, though. But I, I almost chose him for the reason that as a super sub as well, he's he's got a ridiculous amount of goals off the bench for both yeah. Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that scorpion kick is just incredible. Yeah. Is he the best looking man in world football? If you discount me, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Thierry Henry is on 51 goals. Olivier Giroud is on 46 goals. So he's not far off. Yeah, I think so. Well, depends, <laughs> if he plays. depends if he plays now, doesn't yeah. it? Now that Benzema decides to come out of retirement, it's not really gone well for old oh. Olivier. But yeah, Olivier Giroud had to be on the subs bench because, as you mentioned, he's always coming off the bench. So... Uh, underrated as substitute, underrated as actually, he's actually perfectly rated as a substitute because he always does it, but underrated as a football player because he started so much of his career off the bench when really he should be starting because he bangs goals in and he's a terrific player. Owen, super sub, right? So I got very close to picking Jermaine Defoe, and that would have really, really hurt me. So I uh, I contacted my dad, Big Mark Quilly, for some, some ideas on uh, underrated players, and he came up with um. The Golden Boot winner at the 1990 World Cup, which was Salvatore Schillacci. No one's ever heard of him. Nope. But he was the Golden Boot winner at a World Cup, which obviously he's banging goals. And he's played for Messina, which he scored an insane amount of goals. His coach said, I've never seen anyone want to score as much as him. So played over 200 games for Messina, banged in a boatload of goals, only managed... Seven goals in 16 appearances for Italy, which you say that seven goals doesn't sound bad, but in 16 appearances, it's a goal every other game. Yeah, pretty good. Considering six of them were at Wall one, one World Cup. Nice. Um, teammate of Bergkamp at Inter and Roberto Baggio at Juve. So still that thing where he's being overshadowed by people, but scoring 147 career goals. Nice. Very similar to uh, Insigne. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, yeah. It's that that is the notion of underrated because nobody knows who it is. I was going to say you can't yeah. get more underrated than not hearing about a player, never knowing who this player was, and then finding out he won a golden boot at a World Cup. It's yeah. like, ah, okay, yeah, that's, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> that's uh, it's kind of underrated then. Yeah, what a shout! Thank you, Mark Wilton, for that one. Yeah. Well, we can't read too much into golden boots because Milan Baros got the golden boot at Euro two thousand and four, and he's an absolute pony. <laughs> All right, uh, go. One more interesting fact about Scalacci. Um, oh. so, um, Ex-Everton player, Stephen Pienaar, South Africa captain, uh, was nicknamed Schiller in school because of Toto Scalacci. Nice. See, yeah. when yeah. you first said it, I thought you were saying Sebastian Squilacci, the former Arsenal oh, centre-back. God, <laughs> like, no, he's why? absolutely shit, what you're on about. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was overrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did anyone rate him? Well, well someone, someone, someone did to, yeah. Um, so you mentioned my super sub, Owen. Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe. Oh. Yeah. Like, put it, put it this way. So when, when we started this, I assumed the obvious super subs that anyone would choose would be Solskjaer, um, maybe Giroud, Kanu, and 
Jermaine Defoe. How has he not been chosen yet on yeah. our podcast? Like, just, I know he's a I really good why. player, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. But he was yeah. really good. What? What? Yeah. A he was great for Spurs, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. It's a dagger through the heart. Uh, he, yeah, but, but he did. He has scored the most goals as a sub in the Premier League. Joe well. has the most appearances as a sub. I don't. Yes, James Wilder. Oh, he overtook Peter Crouch last week, a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? He did. Yeah. I was going to say Peter Crouch, but yeah. No, Milner took that title. Go on, Hammers. Yeah. So um, I almost picked Giroud for the same reason I chose this because he's got a stupid amount of goals off yeah. the bench as well. But Jermaine Defoe has the most amount of goals off the bench. And I absolutely think he's underrated. Yeah, I think he's a class, absolute class. Yeah. Still doing it now have... as a player coach yeah. for Rangers. Still yeah. bangs him in. Hell of a player. It's one of those players that just seems to be able to just get crazy bat lift on a shot without actually having moved his foot that much. He just yeah, so much power in his legs considering how little he is. Yeah. Yeah. Go I would pick Jermaine. Robbie Keane as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the ones my dad said to pick. I was like, I'm not picking more Spurs players. <laughs> I was going to say, it's another <laughs> yes, Spurs player. What, Mark Quill, the closet <laughs> Spurs fan. Yeah. Mark was a shout as well. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, mentions. Nice, yeah. So there are starting 11s. Join us after this short break where we will take on the manager, the stadium and the kit. Manager, I'll start. My manager, underrated, and here we go. You'll like this one. Pints of wine all round. It's big Sam Allardyce. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Underrated as a manager. People think because he got caught drinking a pint of wine that he's a shit manager. He was the manager of England at the time. He won his way and built his way up to become the England manager. He got 100% Bolton. record for England yeah. as well. He got. I watched highlights the other day of a uh, Bolton game in 2002, or maybe later than that, where they drew 2-2 at the Allianz Arena with Bayern Munich in the UEFA Cup. Kevin Davis yeah. and Ricardo Gardner scored in that game. <laughs> That's outrageous. I think it was 2005 or six. maybe I'm wrong about that. But Big Sam Allardyce took Bolton, lowly Bolton, into Europe. He had amazing players. Absolute, yeah, absolute gems of players as well. If not for Big Sam, JJ Okocha might not have ever come to the Premier League. So Big Sam, underrated because he bought the players he brought into the Premier League. He's done well wherever he's gone, for the most part. He's kept clubs in the Premier League, including your own Owen. Yeah, I will always remember the picture of um, him laughing at Chico Flores when we played Swansea. It was Andy (laughs) Carroll... Bowled him over and he was rolling around the floor. So I was just there laughing at him. I always liked him at West Ham because he wore an earpiece and he clearly didn't know how it works. Yeah, there's nothing connected to it. <laughs> it's like the guys in the back, are like, should we tell him? No, 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 just keep, let him yeah. keep talking. I love the fact that anyone anyone who gets like um, sacked from a struggling team in the Premier League, he's always on the bookies like yeah, list of favourites. It's like it doesn't matter who it is. Even with Newcastle, he was there, even though clearly yeah. Newcastle with the m- money that they're gonna go on to have, they weren't gonna get Sam Allardyce. No. That's what I mean. Underrated manager because he has a job to do and he does it. He keeps clubs in the Premier League. Yeah. That's what he does. He, he's done it consistently. I think maybe it's like one time he's not done it properly, but every other time he's done it, he's kept the club in the Premier League and then eventually they move on from him. But there's a reason why he's good at it and it's because he's a very good manager. An underrated manager at that. Yeah. If he had been England manager, they would have been knocked out in the group stage, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> he would have kept them in there for sure. But no, I think uh, Sardice is actually underrated as a manager and it therefore is my choice. It's a good choice. 
Owen. Right. Choice. Here we go. It's not often I get to say that a Premier League and Triple Serie A winning manager is underrated. And you're going to have to bear with me here, but Roberto Mancini. Ooh, all right. No, I can hear you out on this one. So, if you look at the, the teams he's managed, obviously, good teams, which means you've got to have a good mind. And European Championship winner with Italy recently. But I just think, look, reading his history, it's just like, before he became a manager, he wrote an essay on the attacking midfielder position, the Trequartista. And he wrote that essay while he was still playing. And Fiorentina gave him special dispensation to become the manager before he'd even done any coaching courses. So his brain has been there for like since he's started. And looking at the players he's managed, Balotelli, Nigel de Jong, Craig Bellamy, Marco Matarazzi. They're not easy characters. I was going to say, when you started mentioning them, I thought you were going to be like, look at the players he's, he's managed. <laughs> Sergio Aguero. <laughs> like, nope. I didn't realise you were Balotelli. going to go on to say the you know, hard. If you, if you look at that, they're like, they're not easy players to manage. Even going back, Marco Arnautovic at Inter as well. Gotcha. And he's won trophies with them. And he's a top lad because he got in an argument with Maurizio Sarri a few years ago um, in the press, uh, sticking up for uh, equal rights. Sarri had made some homophobic comments and Mancini um, called him out on it. Managed to get him a fine of twenty thousand euros, but he called him out on these comments and nice, good lad. Footballs for everyone. He's talked about um, this. Well, he gets for this for Italy. He said players like Camaronesi who have got Argentinian passports, or Balotelli being from Ghana originally. And he said, look, if you live in Italy and you're proud of being from Italy, you can play for Italy. You can be Italian. That's it. That's all you need. You just need the pride. So it's that he's. That side of without the um, actual tactics, yeah. him, him as a person, that's and his ethos behind it is all quite underrated. Doesn't get talked about enough. But then his style, people don't think it's you know it's typically Italian. It's defensive. It's boring. If you win a game one nil, you still win a game. Yeah, and you know it's like won. Big Sam. Yeah, I nearly <laughs> picked the Italian Big Sam. I nearly picked Tony Poulis for the same reason that you picked Sam Allardyce. But I was just looking at it going, people aren't talking about all this stuff, you know. He's won loads and people are just like, they, they wave him off as one of the best coaches, as not one of the best coaches in the world. You've got Klopp and uh, Guardiola, but he's definitely up there. It's just because he hasn't got that style or flair. No, he's almost almost a big Sam level, almost. Yeah, nearly there. <laughs> when he gets Bolton to the, the UEFA Cup, then we'll talk. <laughs> but yeah, Mancini. Nice. Love George, that. manager. So Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> <laughs> End the podcast. Um so my so my manager is not gonna be underrated in our eyes. He's underrated overall. And we've spoken about him a lot before, so we don't have to go too much into him, and it's quite like a big thing for us, is Gary Speed. Nice. Just because I don't think like we we appreciate what he did for that Wales squad, and we're still seeing the benefits of it now. How much better that Wales squad has got. But I don't think people understand when Wales weren't qualifying for absolutely anything. Like they couldn't get to a major tournament, they couldn't do anything. Every time you were watching them, it was just like a, oh, well, we know what's going to happen here, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Gary Speed comes into the fold, and 
changes it all and changes the mindset of the players and the players start to believe then that, that oh actually we can do something um uh and then obviously the tragedy happens but even after that um and chris uh chris coleman takes over yeah he, it's still there that mentality of like oh no we can actually do this we can go on to do that and don't get me wrong chris coleman obviously did a very good job as well but it all stemmed from gary speed and like i said he's not underrated in our heads because we couldn't think high, more highly of yeah. it. But I think in most people's heads, they don't realise that he was actually the reason that Wales are battling for uh, a World Cup position, w- went to two Euros, went to the semi-final of the of Euros. Like He is the main reason, in my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. Great choice. Fun fact, I was on ITV News, ITV News Wales, talking about Gary Speed because they were into, when he was going through his first rough patch of, uh, of form. Um, they had reporters for ITV Wales out in Flandidno, and I just happened to be out doing some Christmas shopping or something. And they were like, "So," and someone just stopped me in the street. Was like, "Do you know anything about football?" And I was like, "Well, uh, a little." <laughs> so, uh, stopped had a chat, and he was just like, "Do you think they should sack him?" And I was just like, "No. Why would they sack him? They've got he's got the players back. They're believing. You know, they should just give him the time to get what he wants across." Oh, if we could find listen that. to so what, you're, so what you're saying is you single handedly got. I single handedly saved Gary Speed's career. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Hold yeah. on, let me change my choice. Owen Quilter, <laughs> underrated. <laughs> Director of World Football, undercover. Yeah. Great choice. All right, on to the stadiums. I don't spend too much time on the stadiums, so it's quite a subjective one, stadiums. Um, so mine is based purely based on the fact that it is a smaller stadium in the Premier League. I went there, I sat in the way end with the West Ham fans, uh, and it is Turf Moor. In Burnley. Oh, nice. I think it's underrated as a stadium. Not that it's particularly underrated in the sense that people don't think it's very good. But what I'm using it as, an, as a metaphor for the whole of the smaller Premier League stadiums, smaller grounds, the ones that aren't big arenas, aren't big bowls. They're just a good old-fashioned football stadium. Underrated as a thing. The race course could be used as the same example. An underrated stadium where it's just a small stadium. The fans are all packed in and everyone... Sings the hearts out the whole 90 minutes. And they still make noise. And yeah. they still make noise. It's a great, great, like, for example, like Old Trafford, Anfield, Etihad, Stamford Bridge. Fans go there. Football fans go there as a neutral. Well, they don't go, go to the Etihad, game. do they? No. <laughs> People go there as a neutral to watch a football game, to get the experience of a bigger club. No one's going to Burnley. No one's making a trip on Saturday to Burnley to Turf Moor to see that. But they should, because I've been there, and trust me, it's real good. So there's my choice. Turf Moor, Burnley. West Ham fans were mad. It was great. The stadium I've gone with, so I was looking at picking the stadium and I've gone on, I was like going through a little criteria of everything. So it's like the location of it, the looks of the stadium, the size of the club that play there and the atmosphere to find out like, you know. So obviously it's all completely like my opinion on it, but um, I've gone for your 2002, your 2004 venue which was the tournament with the best football in sporting history, underrated football, the Euro 2004 match ball. So I've gone for the Estadio Municipal de Braga in Portugal, home of Braga Football Club. Nice. And if you search it up, its nickname is uh, a pedria, which means the quarry. And I'm sure I butchered that Portuguese translation. But it's called the quarry because it's literally built into the side of a mountain. Yes. So Just the, it, the whole look of it is, yeah. If you just went up on the mountain, could you see the game? 
So yeah, you could just climb the mountain and watch the game from there. I remember I was watching Arsenal playing. We're nostalgia FC. We don't like to encourage any fans <laughs> to find quarries to watch football games. Yeah. Unless it's you're an really amazing bad. looking stadium. Obviously, Braga. They're the, the seven, it's the seventh largest one in Portugal. So you know, it's not a small stadium. But yeah. Nice. Nice choice. Nice European flavour. George, what you got? Uh, Owen, you'll like this one. Or maybe not, because it's not there anymore. Bowling Ground is the technical... The Bowling Ground, yeah. Yeah. I think the technical name for it is the Bowling Ground, but Upton Park. Genuinely, so the the only thing I went on is atmosphere. And I feel like that was, although it's getting better in the London Stadium, that was the biggest, like, contrast of, like, going from yeah. something with absolutely incredible bouncing atmosphere. I understand the stadium probably was getting a bit, you know, old and maybe not a safe or whatever. And that was the reason they moved, but going from absolute bouncing atmosphere to the West Ham, is it called the London stadium or the West Ham the stadium? stadium? Yeah. Where they, they were pump, well, supposedly pumping in sound and like uh, the crowd were too far away from the pitch. And it was just, yeah. Oh, it was, it was not good. <laughs> I remember when, because United played the last game uh, against West Ham in the bowling ground, didn't they? Yeah. And it was the one where, and we'll, it, we'll ignore this fact, but the fact it was the one where United were getting things thrown at their bus and stuff like that. Yay. So that's not good. We That's awful. But in the actual st- ground itself, I remember watching the game and the crowd were absolutely jumping. And it was almost the thing of like, why are they leaving here? Like yeah. it's clearly such yeah. a good atmosphere. Why are they leaving? So like if you look at the old footage of it, they're like nearly the fans are nearly on the pitch. That's how yeah. close they were. That's a similar thing to what I said about Turf Moor. The underrated nature is keeping your small ground. Yeah. Yeah. Small stadiums underrated. Wasn't was was Upton Park that small? Um I don't think it was how many massive, got, but it's definitely not the sixty thousand seater they've got now. No. No. Sweet. Well, there we go. On to the last pick that we have. It is the kit. So my kit is one that I own. I think it's underrated because people slate it, but actually it's really nice. <laughs> it is the 2014 USA Away shirt, formerly known as the Ice Lolly shirt or the Captain America shirt. Take your pick. Looks like a fab, doesn't it? Looks like a fab, yeah. It's a fab shirt, George. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually underrated as a kit. I think genuinely is a very nice kit. Uh, and there's my choice. Not much else to say on that one. Uh, it is an atrocious kit, but it's underrated because actually it's quite nice. There were wow, so many like contrasting fun. statements in that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all the bases. If I say all those things, eventually one of them will stick and someone will just go with that one. So it's a really nice shit kit. There you go. <laughs> shit kit. A nice yeah. shit kit. Yeah, there you go. That's shit, but in a good way. It's the shit, but just shit. To be fair, though, I have also chosen that because I'm choosing every single international kit because nice. because I think they're so much better than club kits because I hate sponsorships. I just, I just, and I understand why they do it because of the, there's big money income from it and stuff like that. Like, um, I know that, is it Team Viewer that United have bringing so much money for them and stuff yeah. like that? But it's like, I just hate the look of it. I hate it. And like, if you search like club uh, kits without a sponsor they look so much yeah, better much which nicer. is why I think like international kits and I also like international kits that have the number on the front as well yeah. leading in from George you've also picked my kit because it's also an international kit <laughs> it's a black Wales kit it's not the 2016 one bad luck kit so don't worry about that it was a one. Um, 
It's a 2005 Kappa one. Yeah. Black kit with reference. the uh, the red and white stripe yeah. down the side. Yeah. So it was the red stripe with the white trims down it. It was just, you know, it was really nice kit. From what I remember, the shorts had the same stripe. It used to carry on all the way down. But I'm going to, I don't remember, I don't remember ever seeing them play in it. But I remember owning the kit and I really liked it. <laughs> nice kit. Beautiful kit. Hmm. All right. Nice. So there we go. There are our underrated 11s, our super subs, our managers, our stadiums, and our kits. So we'll all run over them one more time each, just so you know what you're voting for. And then you can head over to our socials to vote after you've listened. So I'll go first. My goalkeeper, sorry, my formation was 4-4-2. Still is 4-4-2. My goalkeeper is Kalor Navas. My defence, right back Steve Finnan, centre-backs, Ledley King and Colo Torre. And my left back is Maxwell. My midfield, the centre midfielders are Claudio Marquisio and Pablo Aymar. My wingers are Pedro and James Milner. My strikers are Wayne Rooney and Christian Vieri. My super sub, Olivier Giroud. My manager, Big Sam Allardyce. My stadium was Turf Moor and my kit was the USA 2014 away kit, formerly known as the Ice Lolly Captain America shirt. A nice shit kit. With my under 8 11, I went for in goal. I went for Casper Schmeichel. Along the back, I went from right back. Uh, we had Seamus Coleman. The two centre backs were Virgil van Dyke and Asbilaqueta. Left back, Ashley Cole. My three midfielders were Sergio Busquets, Clarence Seedorf, and David Silva. On the left wing, I have Marco Royce. My striker was Dimitar Berbatov. And my right winger was Arshvin. Uh, my Manager is Gary Speed, super sub Jermaine Defoe, stadium the bowling ground or Upton Park, and my kit is every single international kit because I hate sponsors. Nice. Owen. <laughs> so I've gone with a 3-3-4 formation. In goal, I've got uh, France legend Gregory Coupe. Across the back, I've got Steve Finney, Rafael Marquez, and Aaron Craswell. In midfield, Michael Carrick, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Steed Malbronk. And then across the front line, I've got Yossi Benayoun, John Hartson, Dennis Bergkamp, and Marco Reis. Yeah, uh, my super sub is uh, 1990 World Cup Golden Boot winner Salvatore Scalacci. My manager is Roberto Mancini. They'll all be playing at the Estadio Municipal de Braga in Portugal, and they'll all be wearing the Wales black third kit from 2005 made by Kappa. Boom. What a collection of teams. Underrated players. Remember to think about it and underrated in the context that we said it. So obviously, if you look at George's team on the face of it, not necessarily most underrated. And the same with mine, actually, with Wayne Rooney and Christy Ferry up front. But you got to look at it in the sense of what we described as why it was underrated and not just the conventional sense of it. So there were our underrated 11s. You should now head over to our social media channels to go and check out which ones you can vote for. Vote for the winner and we will announce who won some other time on the podcast. Have we discussed a forfeit? I know Owen's not here now, so it's probably a bit unfair. Um, yeah, so you won't hear this bit till the episode airs. So everyone vote for anyone but Owen. We'll make Owen lose and we'll make him shave his head. There we go. There you go. Easy. <laughs> Sorry, Becky. <laughs> we'll get in trouble for that. So yeah, we just want to give a massive shout out to you all for coming back and joining us for season two. It's been a long time coming. We've said we promised it and promised it, but we're finally back. Season two is here and we'll be coming at you now with a regular episode every Tuesday. So stay tuned. Make sure to uh, subscribe on whatever podcasting app you use, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whichever one you use. 
subscribe so you know we're coming at you with a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, we will return to our regular format where we get a guest on and we will get them to describe their favourite. Hit him, George. What are they describing? <laughs> do you remember what they used to do? <laughs> I forgot for a second there. They will be giving us their favourite starting 11 from football, their manager, their stadium, their kit and their super sub. Boom. But yeah, thanks again for joining us for season two. We're thrilled to be back and we can't wait to have you guys along for the ride. So all that's left to say is that was Nostalgia FC podcast back in the mix for season two with our under 11s. And George, what was it? They were great teams. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I never know how to do it when it's more than one team. What teams they were. What, what teams they were. single joy <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure that was said in the first episode last year as well every episode until we change it <laughs> one of these days one of the guests is going to fall in love with you not owen because he's also married so he doesn't work out for you but one of them will <laughs> yeah